This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Mary Margaret Miller, joined today by Kamel King. As we do every Friday, we'll be traveling across the state, letting you know about events that make Mississippi great. Today, we'll start this trip off in Natchez for the Haunting of the Towers. Next, we'll stop by Seaward Farms in Loosedale and check out their great corn maze. Then we'll head to the coast for the Gulf Coast Halloween Carnival. We'll stop by Tupelo for the Vietnam Replica Wall Dedication, and then end our trip in Rolling Fork for the Great Delta Bear Affair. So hold on tight, because we're going for a ride here on Next Stop Mississippi. We'll be right back after the news. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Ultimate Software, dedicated to putting people first with cloud-based solutions for HR, payroll, and talent management. Learn more at ultimatesoftware.com. Ultimate Software, people first. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Mary Margaret Miller of Mississippi Today, joined by Visit Mississippi's Camille King. And we're glad to be back with you on a Friday. Don't let anyone tell you there's nothing going on in Mississippi because we're here to tell you about all the fun things happening this weekend. And I'm glad to have my good buddy Kamel King back in the studio. I am back in full effect. That's right. It's so lonely here without Kamel. <laughs> I know our listeners are glad to have you back, too. Well, but... I missed you. I missed you guys, and I, I definitely missed being on the show last week. Well, I know you were listening in as you were uh, traveling the state, but tell us about what you were up to last week. Oh, yes, indeed. We uh, put... A Another Blues Trail marker in the ground, actually two, uh, one in Greenville for Prince McCoy, uh, who is uh, the guy who really influenced W.C. Handy, who would be called the father of the blues. Uh, and then this, uh, we put one in Ocean Springs for Ocean Springs uh, Blues. And J.Mo Johnson, who is a uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee and received the Governor's Award, uh, he flew in and came right to the ceremony and was so honored, and it was so great to be in his presence and all the Ocean Springs showed up for it. So we've got three more to get in the ground before the end of the year to reach 200 for the bicentennial, and uh, we're off to the races. Oh, goodness, it sounds like you're off to the races. Now, uh, J-Mo is, is such a legend, kind of an unknown legend in a lot of ways. He was the drummer for the Allman Brothers Band. Yes, indeed. And, you know, is well known now for his jazz work, but very cool that you were able to honor our living legends, our living music legends in Mississippi. There are so many. I think that is the most honorable part of the Blues Trail and, of course, the Country Music Trail and even the Freedom Trail is when you're able to honor people who are still above the earth and especially still working, you know, people like Bobby Rush and J-Mo and so many other people, that is the real honor. 
Well, you guys are doing a great job, and I'm so glad to have you back in the studio, but love that you're out in the field and uh, working every corner of Mississippi to share our great musical heritage. Well, I learned it from you. (laughs) (laughs) This man and his flattery, I can't get enough of it. Well, without further ado, we want to start our road trip today in Natchez. We're going to bring on to the phone Ginger Highland. She's with The Haunting of the Towers. Welcome, Ginger. Good morning. Thank you. We're so pleased to have you on the phone today, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about about the Towers, about this beautiful home you have in Natchez. Well, the Towers is a wonderful antebellum home that was built over three time periods. There's a wing that was actually built in 1798, and the second portion of the house in 1826, and then the Italianate front to it was built in 1858. So I have been coming to Natchez from California. My parents had friends here from the time I was a little girl, so I hate to tell you, that's many, many years now. And that's where I fell in love with these wonderful old houses, and my goal always was to come to Natchez and restore one of these great old homes, and that's just what I did starting about 11 years ago. Wow. Now, I read online where the Italianate front of the home, which is really uh, recognizable, was built on the eve of the Civil War. I I can't even fathom uh, doing like some structural work the day before a war. Well, it it really wasn't uh, on the eve of the Civil War. um, uh, It it, it was actually 1858 that this Italianate front was put on, and it was sold on the eve of the Civil War to the Fleming family, because the man that had built it uh, was from the north, and he was nervous about continuing to live down here with this impending war going on. So he sells it to John and Mary Fleming and their seven children, and uh, so that's what happened on the eve of the Civil War. But pretty frightening altogether. Now, certainly. And is um, the haunting of the towers, which you're going to tell us about today, some of the paranormal activity yes, you've experienced there. Tell us a little bit about the backstory behind that haunting. Well, uh, every time a member of the Fleming family would die in this house, about a day or two before they would die, this knocking would start somewhere in the house. Mm. They could never locate it. It was extremely loud. You could hear it outside in the trees. You could hear it inside in the house. You couldn't get it to stop. There are times when they just literally have to leave the house because it was so loud. And this happened every time someone died up until the uh, Mrs. Fleming passed away in the early 19, well, right around 1902. And after she died, then the knocking stopped. There were always rumors that General Grant haunted the hallways on Christmas Eve. And so there were several things that happened in the house going back 150 years. And since I've been here, which is now 11 years, there have been several things that have happened here. There have been sightings of a black shadowy figure in period costume, in other words, in the tall top hat and the long coat. My husband has seen this shadow several times. The first time scared him to death. And we've had bed and breakfast guests spot this, thinking that it was my husband in costume, and it wasn't. We weren't even home. Wow. So those kinds of things happen. Um, My husband has had the most extraordinary sighting of a young man, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story because you have to hear it right from him. But I remember him coming upstairs from going down for a glass of water in the middle of the night and coming back and saying to me, you're not going to believe what just happened. And uh, it, it is most extraordinary. I myself have 
had I have not had a direct sighting, but there have been times when I know someone has come into the room and I've been tied up on the phone or something, and then I find that no one is there. Um, I have had, uh, because I have lived in houses with spirits before, I also know that when you have a positive restoration that they are very protective and friendly, and um, uh, I have had them direct me to where a cat was shut in into a closet that I didn't know about, and it would have been a disaster. It's just... It's interesting living with spirits. It's a very positive thing, but when we give our ghost tours, things happen. I mean, a light, mm. sometimes the lights will go out in the, in the whole house. And my husband thought I was turning the lights out, and I said, remember? For a fact. Have three <laughs> wow. different poles, light poles. I can't be at three different poles at all at one time. There's no way. Um, sometimes the lights will flicker, ghost meters go off. People have taken their ghost meters and had the highest readings they've ever had here. Uh, so a number of things are happening. Wow, Ginger, this is so crazy to listen to. And I'm a paranormal freak, but I don't <laughs> think that I would have the nerve to actually live there. How did you adapt to, I mean, you say you've lived in this situation before. How do you adapt and what has your research taught you about uh, paranormal well, activity? Because I've lived in several old homes and I did have a house in California where the spirits were negative and I actually had to have the house exercised, go through the first stages of exorcism. And, I, and wow. I'm not even Catholic, but I had to go through that. And so I kind of understand what's negative and what's positive. And so I knew moving into this house, the first year I was here, I was all by myself, two cats and me. And so you kind of have to, shall we say, have, have a, a talk with the house and say, hey, I'm here to do things to bring it back to its former beauty and glory, and I will respect the house and respect you. And so we all have lived peaceably together. I feel that we're working together. I don't know that I really understand um, all that goes on and the processes. I just know that they're there. And so I feel that they're as much a part of this house as I am, and I really respect in the middle of night their time, and what I call their time, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, that's their time. And and so we're upstairs in the master bedroom, and their time is down here. Man. And we all get along beautifully, and I, I, I respect the spirits of this house. And I think they're having fun with the ghost tours. I think that they, they set up kind of doing things when people come through the house. I think they have fun with it. Well, tell us more about these ghost tours, because I'm mm-hmm. intrigued. Well, um, on Fridays and Saturday nights at 7 o'clock up through uh, November, the weekend of November, I think it's 11th and 12th, which is Angels on the Bluff here in Natchez, uh, we have ghost tours. They're an hour and a half long. My husband gives it because he's the one that's had the most direct experience, and he's really entertaining. He is fun. So you get to see this beautifully restored home and all of its wonderful antiques and and period furniture, and you get to see that, and we talk about things that have gone on. And my husband is a good storyteller as well, and it's a lot of fun. Hour and a half long, it's $20 per person. Um, And and, and so it's something enjoyable to do, and when you leave, you're going to have a smile on your face. That's so exciting. Wow. Now, is it a candlelit tour, and is it for adults only? or uh, well, it's, te- it's you know? mostly.
especially for adults, and probably the main reason is that, number one, this isn't a, a, a spook tour where people are going to jump out at you, and, and it, it's not like one of those things. It's, it's more of an adult thing in that it's an hour and a half long. We talk about architecture and antiques and things. So if you call and say that you have two teenage children that, that really enjoy this kind of thing, sure, we're going to allow that. But it is really an, a, more an adult-oriented tour. Absolutely. Now, if listeners are interested in signing up for a tour, where can they go to find more information? Well, there's more information on our website, which is thetowersofnatchez.com, or they can call the house here to make reservations for a tour, which is 601-446-6890, and then I can reserve space for them. We only take 18 people per tour because we want everybody to have a wonderful experience. We don't want them to be too crowded. And the entire tour is inside the house where you're comfortable, you know, comfortable uh, temperature-wise and, and um, rain and all that kind of thing. So you're inside. Certainly. Well, thank you, Ginger. We're so glad to have you on the show today and uh, excited about all these great tours that you're hosting at the Towers in Natchez. This is the Haunting of the Towers in Natchez. Uh, we want to thank Ginger for being on the show today. So intriguing really is. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll talk with Rita of Seaward Farms. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Mary Margaret Miller here with Kamel King. If you're just joining us before the break, we spoke with Ginger Hayland in Natchez with the Towers. She was telling us a bit about the paranormal tours they host uh, each Friday and Saturday mm-hmm. night. Very exciting stuff. Camille's mm-hmm. a little you. spooked over I here, love but it. that's okay. Well, I, I like it too. I, I think I think ghosts and spirits and all that is is good fun, especially around Halloween. I'm a big freak on that stuff. I used to read all the books about it, and I love the movies. Yeah, I love to be scared in that way. Well, there's a there are a lot of great lists out there that tell about haunted places in Mississippi. So yeah. if you just do a quick search, you can find some really great things. And the Mississippi Visit Mississippi website also has a neat blog post about haunted places in Mississippi. So check that out. Now, Kamel, uh, before we head down to Loosedale for our interview with uh, Rita of Seaward Farms, uh, what what are you thinking about getting into this weekend? Oh, I think uh, we'll probably go. I know I'm going to a St. Joe game tonight, St. Joe football. Uh, but then after that, and it is my high school Murrah homecoming. Uh, but then Saturday, uh, going to CS's to have a hamburger and watch Waterworks Curve perform. So I think that's what I'll do. Oh, great local band, Waterworks Curve. That'll be a lot of fun. So no costumes in uh, in play for Kamel just yet, but maybe we'll hear about that later in the show. So uh, welcome to the show, Rita. We're happy to have you here today. Thank you. Now, you uh, are 
are the owner of Seward Farms in Loosedale, Mississippi. Tell us a bit about your farm. We're a fourth-generation farm. We have been, uh, it was my husband's grandparents that started the farm back in 1924. And uh, it's come down four generations, and hopefully it'll keep passing down. Well, that's wonderful, four generations of family on this land. And I'm sure what you guys do on the farm has changed over the years. Uh, maybe uh, maybe your husband's great-grandfather, I'm not sure, was he, was he hosting corn mazes and fun things for families? <laughs> no, he was mainly making a living that's... with the farm. But today, through technology, and we farm quite a few more acres than he did back then. Uh, we have peanuts, cotton, corn, oats. We have about 4,000 head of cattle a year that we run here on our farm. In the fall, we have an agritourism business, which is Seward Farms Maze. We are opened uh, September the 30th. We'll be open through November the 4th for Saturdays. We do school field trips during the week, Monday through Thursday, for um bring school kids in to educate them on where their food and clothes come from. We run about four, between 400 to 450 kids a day here. Well, Rita, tell us how it is uh, the, just the evolution of agriculture and farming from yesteryear and growing up and in, in changing with technology and adapting and, and, you know, now having different products. Well, back in the day, They pick cotton by hand. Today, it's picked by a $800,000 machine that has GPS on it that you just basically sit on the machine and it runs itself. Now, uh, Rita, it's really interesting to hear you talk about your fall agritourism business. So this is a seasonal activity that you and your family host with your corn maze and and a lot of other uh, programs in conjunction with that. So tell us what a a typical Saturday might look like in your family in October. Well, a typical Saturday, which my daughter, my daughter-in-law, myself, and our grandchildren basically run the corn maze with a lot of help employees uh a typical saturday could be from a thousand to two thousand people here wow Uh, this weekend is our trick-or-treat saturday which we have the disney or cartoon characters that come from 11 till 3 for the small children Uh, each one of our uh, venues will have trick-or-treat candy for the kids the smaller kids can all come in their uh Halloween outfits. How big is the corn maze, and can you actually get lost in it? (laughs) Well, we have what we call corn cops that are stationed at different points in the corn maze that help you get around in the cornfield. You can get confused in the cornfield. It's a a total of eight acres. Uh, We have one that the school kids go through during the week we have an extra one that the public goes in on saturdays and then we have two haunted attractions that one is a hayride and then one is a walkthrough one is a little bit more intense than the other Wow, one is more intense than, Tell me than the about other. That one. We, we <laughs> want to hear about that one. We're we're on a scary trail today. Oh, okay. Um well, if you're going if you have small children, we suggest you go 
on a hayride where your parents can be right with you. If you're an older uh, person and you like really scary events, the walkthrough is what you need to go through. It's very haunted. Now, um, how long would it take you to go through the haunted walkthrough? 20 minutes. Mm. 20 minutes of fear. <laughs> <laughs> is it pretty scary? Well, it's intense. <laughs> Rita's not giving us too much. That right. means come out and see yeah. it for yourself. I love it. That's great. Well, Rita, we thank you for your time today. I know it's a busy time of year at Seaward Farm, so we want to encourage everyone to come to Loosedale and experience your hospitality and the the great place you have there. Tell people where they can go to find out more about um, the events you're hosting and where you're located. Uh, we have our own website. It's SewardFarms.com. We are on the Gulf Coast. We're about 20 miles south of Loosedale, southeast of Loosedale. And there's directions on our website with prices, and it tells all about us, gives a history of our farm. Excellent. All right, that's great. And that's Seward Farms. It's S-E-W-A-R-D-F-A-R-M-S. All right, thank you, Rita, for being on the line with us today. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, uh, we'll talk with Tammy D. She's with the Gulf Coast Halloween Festival. This is Next Stop Mississippi, and we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi. We're in the spirit here, as you can tell from this spooky music. Michelle is working overtime to bring you these holiday tunes. I'm loving it. I think we'll have more of this as we get into the holiday season. Camille, what do you think? I'm with it. I, I, I love am it. too. I'm getting so in the, in the mood. I know. I <laughs> Getting in the spirit, uh, pun intended. I'm Mary Margaret Miller with Mississippi Today, joined by Visit Mississippi's Camille King. And if you're just tuning in, we spoke with Rita of Seward Farms, uh, located just south of Loosedale, about the corn maze and the fall activities they host at their agritourism business called Seward Farms. Check them out. Lots of fun, family-friendly things happening there. And we're about to uh, be joined on the line today with Tammy D. She's been working really hard to put together the Gulf Coast Halloween Festival. It takes place uh, in two different communities along the Gulf Coast, and we're happy to have you on the line. Welcome, Tammy. Hi. Thank you for having me. Now, we have uh, all been just uh, mesmerized by the Gulf Coast Halloween Festival website and all of the activities you have going on this weekend. We don't even know where to begin. I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> I don't either. Um, it's huge. It's, it's a free community event, and everyone is welcome. Um, it, it's, we set it up so that we would be giving everybody something free family friendly to do over the weekend and and when we ended up getting two cities involved uh and decided to let's promote the arts and support the, support the local merchants 
you know, and then at the same time, let's try to raise a little funds for some local charities. So it's a great event, and we have a lot of activities. You can find everything, of course, on the website that you mentioned, but also on Facebook, and we're just steady updating. It actually really kicks off. It's been going on all week with little events at different areas uh, throughout the cities, but it really kicks off tonight. Now, as you mentioned, you're in two different cities. So where are we going to kick off tonight? Uh, both Long Beach and Past Christian kick off tonight. Uh, both cities run simultaneously tonight, all day Saturday, into Saturday night and Sunday. Um, tonight we will have a Pirates Ball party over at Bacchus in the Pass, and that's part of our Haunted Boat Parade and Boo Cruise, where you can actually get a ticket and ride the Haunted Ship Island boat for three and a half hours. Um and then in Long Beach, the carnival, the big carnival with the Ferris wheel and all that stuff is going to be downtown kicked off. And we've got a haunted monster car cruise in, haunted gingerbread house decorating for the kids, a pop-up escape room that's come over from the Biloxi area and actually popped up in downtown Long Beach. Uh, so all that's going on tonight. Now, how in the world did you guys pull off pulling a festival in two cities. I mean, you got District 1 for Past Christian and Bootown for Long Beach. I've never seen a festival be able to do that. Well, it's been very difficult. Uh, <laughs> it's been a lot of work. Um, you know, I've pretty much been doing this by myself, and uh, I've started this back in February with just this little idea over coffee with my son and said, hey, we should have a Halloween festival, and it kind of just went from there and snowballed. Um so I had I had my son sketch out the little skeleton guy you see uh, as our logo, and that's Hal. And uh, he is an FX artist, so he actually ended up making a a headpiece, and he will be dressed as Hal throughout the whole festival, all mm-hmm. making appearances to the kids. Now I'm a big uh, animal lover, so tell us about Barktoberfest. Barktoberfest is where we partnered with the Humane Society of South Mississippi and brought them over as part of the festival in Long Beach. We'll be having a pet parade and a pet costume contest, and you can actually register, pre-register online. That is with a $10 donation to the Humane Society, and they have some great prizes for that kind of stuff. Um, We'll also have the adoptables out there. We'll have the agility course. Um, you know, and they'll have their merchandise and trying to raise a little money. Now, uh, you are also hosting a, a screening on the Greens. Is that right? Yes, that one is in Past Christian. Uh, we've partnered with our local libraries. And what we did is last weekend, we held a book fair at Barnes & Noble in order to support the libraries and the books they needed. And then this weekend, each of the libraries will be doing costume story times in both cities on the Greens. And then at War Memorial Park tomorrow night, the Past Christian Library will be hosting uh, a free showing of Hocus Pocus for the kids. Uh, one of my just classic favorite uh, Halloween movies. So that's really a lot of fun for the whole family. Right. Now, uh, Tammy, yeah. as you said, you know, you and your son have put a lot of heart and soul into this. You know, why is it important to you to celebrate Halloween in such a big way on the Gulf Coast? Well, you know, Halloween is great, and um, it's it's a fall thing. For me, I like all of the holidays, and I like looking forward to the holidays. And when they get here, you have a lot of fun that's seasonal, and then you move on to the next holiday. That's just part of the Gold yeah. Coast culture, I think, <laughs> you know. Um, 
and we just don't have a lot of the Halloween or the fall festivities like we used to, especially before Katrina. And we're still recovering in both Long Beach and Past Christian. You'll still see a lot of slabs and a lot of empty lots. And so the kids needed something. And when Katrina came through, we kind of went into just trunk or treat. Mm. And that's all they've had. And so, you know, we're like, no, wait a minute. You kids don't even know what Halloween is supposed to be. You're supposed to, you know, get creative and get a costume and run around and, <laughs> yeah. and have fun. So that's kind of the reason for the Halloween part. Um, you know, we just we just needed the, the families and the kids to be able to get out and do something and not have to pay to go to some costume party. Yeah. Each city district kind of has its own vibe and feel to it. Uh, for you, what's different about each district that the festival will be uh, having itself? Well, in Long Beach, like you said, it's pets and kids. We have the big carnival rides. We have pony rides, a bubble runner. You know, we, we have arts and crafts vendors. It's all kid and family oriented specifically. Uh, we did bring in the merchants to do, you know, a fashion show and all of that kind of stuff. But in the past, it's more about the music and the barbecue and the craft beer. We've got a full music lineup Saturday and Sunday, and including partnering with the Mississippi Songwriters Alliance to where we pushed out a songwriting competition all the way up through Nashville. And we've got songwriters, the top 10 finalists that won that are going to be playing for live judging with the Mississippi Songwriters judges there. And uh, they're competing for $1,200 in prizes. These, these guys are coming from six different states to compete. Um, and then we are going to follow up with a local favorite, Sarah B. But then we've booked the New Orleans Mardi Gras Indians to come over and do their normal jazz fest show with the smoke and the skulls and all that kind of stuff. And the whole thing is free. So, you know, if you get to, if you don't want to have to go pay for jazz fest, come on down to Pastor Christian and watch them for free. <laughs> That is so exciting, Well, So many elements going into this weekend celebration, and we want to thank you for all your hard work and planning. As we mentioned, it's a great website, so check out gulfcoasthalloween.com to learn more about what's happening today, literally through Halloween on the Gulf Coast. So it's time for another break. When we return, we're going to speak with Leslie Pierman about the Vietnam replica wall dedication. So stay tuned. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB. can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Mary Margaret Miller, joined today by Kamel King. We've had a great show thus far. We've been talking about some fun Halloween celebrations, some spooky history, and now we're moving along to Tupelo to speak with Leslie Pierman about the Vietnam Replica Wall dedication happening next week on Veterans Day. Uh, welcome, Leslie. Hi. Good morning. 
We're uh, so pleased to have you on today to talk about this really important project that's been yes. in the works for quite some time. Tell our listeners about your Vietnam replica wall. Well, it is 60% to scale to the original D.C. wall. It's identical. It has the same marble. It has the same engraving, um, the same layout. When you walk up, you will think you're in D.C. You just won't turn around to the Washington Monument. Well, this is absolutely amazing. I mean, how long does it take to complete that? And tell us the work that goes into it. Um, Well, it was the the brainchild of two ladies from Itawamba County, Janie and Barbara. Um, They had the moving wall come to Fulton, I believe, about 15 years ago. So this project has been in the works for more than a decade, um, and we we were so fortunate enough to just get the legislature to help us out with the last part of the funding uh, so we could get it completed um, before we lost all of our, our Vietnam veterans. Well, and that is so important. Uh, your community has done a great deal of fundraising. The state has also offered support to uh, build this incredible monument to our Vietnam veterans nationally. And we're not just exactly. talking about our Mississippi veterans. This is a place where people from around the world can come and and show their honors or, you know, um, spend some time. Exactly. You're, uh, you're building this monument and in Veterans Memorial Park in Tupelo, and your ceremony uh, is next Thursday, I believe, on Veterans Day. Tell us a bit about what we can expect then. Well, it is it is next Thursday, but it's November 2nd, um, and it is at 10 a.m. in Veterans Memorial Park, and that's at um, 792 North Veterans Boulevard in Tupelo, Mississippi. Um, the ceremony will begin at 10. However, we will have a large um, group of Patriot Guard riders and motorcycle riders come in about 9 o'clock is when the crowd we expect to start um, moving in. Um, we're also going to have a Huey from the Fort Rucker area. It'll be arriving at the park at 9. Um, so it'll be a lot of movement and a lot of um, Vietnam veterans and their families for at least an hour before, and then we plan to spend um, a good bit of the day out at the park. You'll be able to um, join the uh, the group that's bringing the Huey. They are offering memberships to their organization, and with your membership um, purchase, you get a ride in the um, in the Huey, so you can have a bit of um, of history while you're while you're visiting with um, the people that were there and served. And while you're honoring those names that were on that are on the wall. Now, Leslie, you're a volunteer with this great effort. What what? How do you reach out? How do you find the Mississippi veterans to invite them to this program? Um, we have been reaching out to the national. You you did mention it's a national uh, event. It is. We've reached out to the national Vietnam veterans organizations, um, the American Legion, um, a lot of the local um, organizations have put the word out to their national headquarters to spread the word. Um, of course, Facebook. Uh, the city has been awesome, City of Tupelo, to help spread the word through their social media sites. Um, we, we've just been reaching out. And, of course, y'all, Mississippi Public Broadcasting has been great there. I know y'all are coming up um, to help us honor our veterans and 
y'all have been great to help us get the word out as well. Yeah, I was so happy to learn that MPB, you know, definitely has partnered with the city of Tupelo to celebrate the veterans the evening before. So on Wednesday, November 1st, uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. at the Elvis Presley Birthplace and Museum, they'll host a pre-screening of MPB's documentary, uh, Mississippi's, uh, Mississippians in Vietnam, a Shared Experience. And there'll be a panel discussion that includes Mississippians who served and who were directly affected by the Vietnam War, and it'll top off with a reception hosted by MPB Foundation. So I think that'll be a great addition to the dedication. I think so, too. The men that are on the panel I've known for for many years, and they are most definitely heroes, um, not just in my eyes, but in a lot of people's eyes. Um, Mr. Smitty Harris, retired um, prisoner of war for eight years. Um, We have um, one of our representatives, Matt Huddleston, who was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. Rex Moody um, is a, a Marine Vietnam veteran. Um, and of course, the, the crowd will be full of local heroes that you can um, visit with and, and hear their stories. Well, and the storytelling part is so important. I, I've been watching some of the Ken Burns documentary, The Vietnam War, that's airing on PBS right now. And, you know, I think for a long time it was hard for veterans to share their stories. And it's wonderful that there's real opportunities like this uh, replica wall dedication to bring people out for that opportunity to share. Oh, my goodness. It was. It has been so hard for them to talk about. Um, um, my my dad is, is a Vietnam veteran. He served two tours, and then my parents were married while he was there for the second tour. My mom was in college, and I, I don't know if y'all know the history, but the culture at the time was so anti, anti-military and anti-Vietnam that my, my mother could not even tell anyone where my dad was wow. um, mm. because she was you know in fear of someone doing something to her. So mm. it, it has certainly changed, and the Vietnam veterans have made it their mission to make sure that other veterans are not treated the same way they were when they came home. They have, um, they, they've spent the last 50 years making sure that every veteran that comes home is welcome home. So they will continue to do that. And, and that is definitely, you know, we're here to honor those names on the wall. Most definitely. Um, absolutely. But we're also here to make sure that every veteran that's there knows that they are welcome and they are appreciated for their service. Well, it, it is a noble work, and a, no veteran should go unappreciated or unheard. And we really appreciate the opportunities that you're creating uh, to build dialogue and uh, and to honor these veterans and and our current um, military family. So yeah. thank you so much, Leslie. And uh, remind people again about uh, next week's program. It's on Thursday, November second. It is. It's Thursday, November second at ten a.m. and Veterans Memorial Park. You can check out Facebook. Um, the city of Tupelo has, you know, the web page. Um, and, of course, your your website, I'm sure, can, can tell them how you get there. They've, so. you, you guys have done a great job of promoting this uh, this program. A wonderful thing to take kids to, a wonderful thing to take older people in your family to. Uh, just a great event and another wonderful reason to visit Tupelo. There are already so many good reasons to spend a weekend, spend a week in Tupelo, uh, traveling, exploring all things Elvis and uh, motor cars. But now we've got this great uh, Veterans Memorial uh, Uh, Vietnam replica wall to visit. So thank you all for your work and I I wish you the best next week. Now, thank you so much. 
Thank you, Leslie. Uh, For our last stop on our road trip today, we're heading to Rolling Fork. We're going to speak with Meg Cooper. She's with the Lower Delta Partnership and the Great Delta Bear Affair. Welcome, Meg. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Well, we appreciate you making time to talk today. It's my understanding you are currently in the middle of hosting 500 fourth graders to learn about conservation and all things uh, nature and uh, history there uh, in uh, in the area. We are. Um, we've got there outside um, running around um, the courthouse square right now, going to different stations, learning about bears, learning about habitat in the South Delta learning about um, uh, conservation, um, you know, how to take care of our land, and also basic things like recycle and don't litter. And they're learning safety, safety in the woods and safety at home as well. So they're going around to a bunch of stations. This morning already they learned, they heard the teddy bear story um, and got to meet the um, Case Hicks, who is our Theodore Roosevelt Living Historian, and Ollie Morganfield, who is our Hulk Collier Living Historian. And they got to hear the teddy bear story, and then they um, heard about Mississippi snakes from Terry Vandeventer. Now, Meg, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar, can you share the teddy bear story? I can. I'll try to be real brief with it. Uh, But in 1902, President Theodore Roosevelt came to the Mississippi Delta, to Sharkey County specifically, uh, and he had been invited to go on a hunt for black bears. At that time, there were um, black bears were beginning. The numbers were just beginning to dwindle. There were still a good number of black bears in a hunting season for them, and especially in the south part of the Delta. So he came um, on a train, came down here to go hunting, and the famed um, bear hunter, Hulk Collier, had been engaged to be the president's guide on this hunting trip because they really wanted it to be a successful trip and make sure the president got a bear. Of course you want him, if you're having the president hunting, you want him to have a great hunt. So Hulk Collier was engaged to do that, and he had found lots of bear tracks, and he had scouted out ahead of time. And he told the president, he said, if you'll sit right here, um, a bear will come out. It'll come out of that cane break there. We're going to, you know, they were on horses. They used dogs to hunt. You know, and he said, we're going to go out here and we're going to be out here. And I promise you that bear will scare that bear up and he's going to come out here. And the president sat there with his hunting companion and he sat there and he heard the dogs barking and the dogs went, you know, far away. And then they went closer and far away and closer and far away. You know, and the bear never came out where he, you know, had been told it was. And he finally decided that the dogs had chased that bear across the river and it was really far away. And he was hungry. He'd been sitting there for hours and hours. <laughs> so they went back to camp for lunch. And not long after they left their stand, the bear turned, the dogs chased the bear, and he came out exactly where Hulk Collier had said he was going to come out of that cane. Wow. And Hulk listened for a shot and listened for a shot and never heard it. And so by the time he caught up with the dogs, they had cornered the bear in the swampy area. And the bear had turned on the dogs because a cornered bear is not a good bear. Black mm. bears normally aren't very aggressive. But if they're cornered with a bunch of dogs chasing them and nipping at them, they could become that way. So the bear turned around and grabbed Hulk Collier's dog, and the other dogs were, you know, barking and nipping at him. And he had his dog, and this was his favorite hunting dog, Jocko. And he had Jocko, and 
you know, was hurting Jocko, and Hulk Hoyer jumped off his horse. He knew he couldn't shoot the bear because the president was supposed to shoot the bear. Oh, my. So he beat the bear over the head with his gun. Oh, you know, wow. The stock of his gun, and which kind of knocked the bear out where it was sort of semi-conscious, and he tied a rope around the bear and tied the bear to a tree and sent for the president. Well, the president um, came and looked at this bear that, you know, had stars dancing above his head and said, I will not shoot that bear. That would not be sportsmanlike. And from there, the story spread. The newspapers got a hold of it. And um, long story short, um, all stuffed bears from that point on came to be called teddy bears after President Theodore Roosevelt. Mm. So we call ourselves the birthplace of the teddy bear here in Sharkey County, and that's what we celebrate with the Great Delta Bear Affair. That, that is, is just so such a good story. You you tell it so well. And you guys have been at this with the Great Delta Bear Affair for more than 16 years. Yes, this will be our 16th festival, this well, one this year. And I know that uh, uh, conservation and, and education is at the center. And I think that you do have a, a great, um, you've had great impact on the conservation of, of black bears. Are they coming back in Sharkey and Sequina areas? The numbers are coming back all across Mississippi. Uh, bears, when we started the festival in 2002, which was the 100th year anniversary of the bear hunt, um, at that time there were not hardly any black bears left in Mississippi and in Louisiana, and they were an endangered species. And since then, they have been taken off the endangered list, and they have, um, they're federally protected now, but they are no longer in de- considered endangered. So the numbers have come back. And we hear every year, you know, about more and more people that have bear sightings and things like that. And so we're thrilled uh, that the numbers are coming back, that bears are returning to their historic um, land here in the Delta, in Mississippi. Um, they're not, Louisiana has a bear hunting season now. And, you know, when they reach a number where we could do that, here that will happen. But right now they're, they're not. But, you know, we're so excited. And, and we've become... One thing that we've, we're real proud that we've done is people aren't afraid of bears. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, mm-hmm. you know, the black bears, they, they know, you know, they're not going to hurt you if you don't hurt them generally. You know, they, they may want to eat that farmer's corn, but um, they're really, you know, so there, there used to be a lot of fear about, I don't want bears, you know, but these aren't grizzly bears. <laughs> well, one thing I'm sure uh, bears like to eat if they can't get fish is probably a burger. So could you tell us about the Chuck Burger that- Eating Contest? Oh, yeah, the Chuck Burger. You know, Chuck's Dairy Bar is an institution in Rolling Fork. It's been here for over 40 years, and the Chuck Burger, which is a burger with chili and slaw on it, is their namesake burger, and this will be our third year. We started this three years ago, the Chuck Burger Eating Contest, and it's very popular. It's more popular to watch, I think, than to participate in, but everybody comes to watch the Chuck Burger Contest, and about seven, eight, somewhere between eight and ten people participate in it, and it's how many truck burgers can you eat in five minutes, and whoever eats the most wins a trophy and a hundred dollars. Wow. <laughs> we, we still have slots open if anybody would like to come sign up and be in the Chuck Burger Contest. Well, I'm such a fan of that floating hamburger, that uh, burger with the slaw and, and the chili. I don't know if I would be a good contestant, though. Um, <laughs> You're done after out. like half one. <laughs> now, Maggie, a lot's happening tomorrow in Rolling Fork with the festival. It all starts early in the morning. Right. We have a 5K run walk. It's a costume run since it's so close to Halloween. Wear your favorite Halloween costume and participate in the 5K run or walk. 
Um, and then twice during the festival, we've got um, prehistoric mound tours. You know, the state just unveiled its Mississippi Mound Trail last year, and several of those mounds are in Sharkey County, but three of them are really close to Rolling Fork, right, you know, within Rolling Fork's limits. And Sam Brooks, who is a wonderful archaeologist, he will lead a guide of these prehistoric mounds, a guided tour, if anybody would like to take part in that. It's free. Uh, we're going to have the Shriners Clown. Terry Vandeventer will talk about his snakes. And then we have got a fantastic main stage lineup, live music all day. We have got some great performers with that. Well, you, you, the music never disappoints at Great Delta Bear Affair. You do a great job of mixing sort of that traditional blues music from the region with modern, yeah. uh, up-to-date. Uh, Tania, who we've had on this yes. show, is, is performing tomorrow, and she's really an up-and-coming great artist. So mm-hmm. exciting lineup there. And uh, Maggie, no, I can't get you off the phone without talking to you a bit about the chainsaw carving that will take place uh, tomorrow. Yes. He's awesome. Uh, Artistry and Wood, which they're Mississippi wood carvers. Um, they're from Sandersville, Mississippi, down close to Laurel. Uh, Dayton Scoggins comes every year and his son, Kenny. They come and they carve us another 12-foot bear, which will then become public art in Rolling Fork. I think we have 11 bears now, uh, or carvings, because we do have one of the carvings is Hulk Collier, and one is President Roosevelt, and all the rest of them are bears of some sort. We've got Dr. Bear. We've got um, Fireman Bear. We've got Paul Bunyan Bear. We have the Lineman Bear outside of the um, EPA office. We've got just great, awesome bears. He he, t- he finds the bear in that wood and carves it out. And we're going to get an editor bear for, to go at the newspaper office this year. Oh, how cute. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, uh, also Percy King will have uh, fascinating animals there for folks to pet he also, too, right? To. Yes, we're excited about Percy coming. You know, if it's really cold, we're not, we don't know what this weather's going to do. It's been kind of crazy. Um, if it's really cold, some of the animals can't get out. But we're counting on Percy being here with his animals, um, and that will be fun so children can touch and feel and see some animals that they would not normally get to see. Now, Meg, with the Great Delta Bear Affair, it often becomes a homecoming of sorts. Are you expecting a good crowd? We do. We have a few, several class reunions um, that are going to have tents set up. And then just a lot of alumni from the area come back for the Bear Fair. And they just enjoy visiting with each other and listening to good music and eating that great festival food. Well, thank nice. you so much for, for joining us today. We know you've got a lot going on and, and some children to get back to. But uh, tell our listeners where they can go to learn more about this weekend's activities and, um, and get involved. Okay, at greatdeltabearfair.org. They can find the schedule and they can find everything they need to know about the bear fair. So please visit the site and visit Rowan Fort tomorrow. Well, thank you so much, Meg. Uh, Best wishes, and I know it'll be a great event. Well, we want to thank you, our listeners, for traveling with us today, and thank all of our guests for joining us this morning. Ginger Highland with Towers of Natchez, Rita with Seward Farms in near Loosedale, uh, Tammy with the Gulf Coast Halloween Festival, Leslie in Tupelo with the Vietnam Replica Wall Dedication, and, of course, Meg Cooper with the Great Delta Bear Affair, taking place tomorrow in Rolling Fork. 
Next Stop Mississippi was produced by Michelle McAdoo and is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. For Kamel King, I'm Mary Margaret Miller. Southern Remedy for Women is up next, but we hope you'll join us next week for another amazing road trip on Next Stop Mississippi, only on MPB Think Radio. Picnic time for teddy bears The little teddy bears are having a lovely time today Watch them catch them unawares And see them picnic on their holidays See them gaily gabbed about They love to play and shout They never have any cares Six o'clock, their mommies and daddies will take them home to bed because they're tired little teddy bears.